to Today on Broadway for Monday, October 15th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tiamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, over the weekend, you guys had a new episode of This Week on Broadway in which Peter Felicia raved about the new play Popcorn Falls, directed by Christian Borle, currently playing at the Davenport Theater, which we will talk about again later in this show, believe it or not. Um, you guys also reviewed Midnight at the Never Get, the, the Drowsy Chaperone at Good Speed, and, and a number of other things. Um, so a lot of people have been talking about Popcorn Falls and talking about it's a two-hander. It seems like a perfect show off-Broadway. Uh, can you give us a little synopsis of what Peter's thoughts were about the show? Uh, he just thought it was just the perfect storm of a great cast and a great book and uh, Christian Borle's direction. Uh, you know, we should be on the lookout to see if uh, Christian Borle will make this uh, dual career like we've seen with so many other people like a Casey Nicola and, um, and be out there and directing great stuff. So yeah, it's a high, highly recommended Small space, the Davenport Theater. Uh, so uh, Peter thinks that it's a, it's something people should get down to see. Very cool. I think um, you know maybe even a, a better comparison than Casey Nicola could be uh, Christian's former brother-in-law, um, Hunter Foster, who has oh, kind of made yeah. a career of both mm-hmm. uh, directing and acting. So, and uh, uh, Drowsy Chaperone, up at good speed, directed by Hunter. Yeah, which I originally was directed by Casey Nicola. So there you go, full circle. <laughs> Everything together. Six degrees. <laughs> yeah, six degrees of Christian Borle. Also, uh, Michael Portanti had talked about a, a series uh, at the Kaufman Center, the American Concert Hall, which is uh, on the Upper West Side, just north of Lincoln Center. Um, they have a, uh, a thing called Broadway Close-Up, and Michael got to see the Liz Calloway one, which, uh, what was the name of it? Off the top of my head, let me see. It was uh, Broadway Bound to, Br- Bound for Broadway 2018 with Liz Calloway about new shows, um, uh, a review of new shows. And so uh, and there's a bunch of Broadway Close-Ups uh, this fall, two in October, two in November, one in December. Um, so, yeah, Michael highly recommended them as well. I mean, you can't really go wrong with Liz Calloway. I mean, just let her sing whatever the hell she wants. And I think people would uh, be blown away by her talent. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not sure Liz, she hosted the evening. I'm not sure she performed uh, all the songs oh, or any of the songs okay. or anything like that. Gotcha. I, okay, I'm I not really sure. I, you know, I didn't really think about it. Uh, but, but yeah. Uh, and and she was the one that uh, she was in the one that um, Michael just saw, but I don't. It doesn't have her listed in the in the ones upcoming, but they have pictures of right. Leslie Kritzker, so uh, perhaps yeah. Leslie's one. There you go. Yeah. So uh, that was this week on Broadway. Awesome. All right. All right, let's uh, get into the first up in the news. Manhattan Theater Club announces stars for Broadway transfer of Ink. Yes, James. On Friday, MTC announced that Olivier winners Bertie Carvel and Johnny Lee Miller will star in the previously announced U.S. premiere of James Graham's play Inc., which charts the rise to power of, well, I'll censor myself. I'll just call him a media mogul, Rupert Murdoch. I can think of other things I'd prefer to call him instead. Um, Anyway, the show, which will play the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, begins on April 2nd and opens officially 
on April 24th. As he did at the Almeida Theater in the UK, Rupert Gould will direct. The play is set in 1969 London when a brash young Rupert Murdoch purchases a struggling paper, The Sun. Murdoch will be played by Carville, as it was in London, and sets out to make it a must-read smash which will destroy and ultimately horrify the competition. He brings on rogue editor Larry Lamb to be played by Miller, who in turn recruits an unlikely team of underdog reporters together. They will go to any lengths for success, and in the process, they will aid in bringing down the entire country, formerly known as the United States of America. I added that last part myself. Mm, um, <laughs> James, this show got a ton of five-star reviews uh, when it played in the UK, and I assume it will do the same here. It'll be fun to have Johnny Lee Miller back on Broadway for the first time in almost a decade, although he's been on TV on the uh, CBS Sherlock Holmes show Elementary for quite a bit of that time. And it'll be nice to have Bertie Carville on Broadway for the very first time playing a man, even though he's more of a monster, but <laughs> it, not playing a, a woman like Bertie Carville did the last time he was on Broadway. Uh, I didn't really follow much of the story uh, with Ink over in London. Did was it controversial? Did did was Murdoch upset with it, or is he endorsing it, or are they just oh, ignoring I, it? Or I don't think that they are um, endorsing it by any means. I don't think it's a favorable look at him. I mean, the Sun mm. is not necessarily yeah. the most reputable thing, and especially when it had all of the um, the hacking scandals that it's had in recent years. Um, I don't think that this is a favorable piece. Um, how negative, I don't I, I don't exactly know. Um, but I don't know that the story of Rupert Murdoch being told by theatrical artists is ever going to be super positive. Mm, that's uh, probably a good leap of faith there. All right. <laughs> so we'll have to see uh, if uh, if the New York Post covers this favorably. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> so or if uh, any of the litigious side, I, I, I can't I can't think of Murdoch being tremendously litigious. I mean, Murdoch's properties get sued all the time but i don't know if they sue people all the time yeah you know i think they'll probably be okay i'm i I, yeah. I don't see a ton of that happening yeah all right uh next up broadway cares equity fights aids announces the new name for gypsy of the year Yes, last week, BCEFA announced that to line up with the new name for the robe formerly known as Gypsy. This fall, when Broadway Off-Broadway and National Tours participate in a six-week fundraising drive for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, they will not be building up to the Gypsy of the Year competition. But instead, in the event's 30th year, it will now be known as the Red Bucket Follies. Everything else will remain the same, of course, as ensemble members and special guests perform original skits, songs, and dances with awards given to the best presentation and for the top fundraisers from the six-week campaign. The Red Bucket Follies will take place on Monday, December 3rd and Tuesday, December 4th at the New Amsterdam Theater on Broadway, home of Aladdin. Fundraising will begin this Friday. James, uh, not much a surprise here. I think we all just assumed that equity um, would encourage BCEFA to change the name of the Gypsy of the Year competition. But what do you think of, be, of it being called the Red Bucket Follies? Well, a few quick things come to mind. Uh, I think that uh, there will be uh, skits about red solo cups, you know. <laughs> The red, the red solo cup is an iconic uh, image. It, it's the uh, Campbell soup can of our uh, of the millennial generation. Oh, so uh, <laughs> so sad. The red bucket follies. Uh, also, if you 
if we really want to drive the Rupert Murdoch supporters crazy, we can put happy holidays on the red buckets, uh, you know, sort of. Thing. I think that's I think that's really good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, give me a day or so to ponder and I'll come up with more of these things that can make them nuts because like that's it. my goal in life. So I I, I'm surprised, I guess, surprised, not surprised. That they are changing the name. I mean, Tom Verola immediately said that they're not going to change the name of it. And here we are six months later changing the name of it. Uh, Red Bucket Follies seems like um, maybe not the thing on the top of the list that would have made it for me. But <laughs> uh, Although similarly, Legacy Robe probably wasn't at the top of the list for a lot of folks yeah. either. Not that I, I actually don't think Legacy Robe is a is a terrible name. I think it's it's a fine name, but I I don't. It's not you know you get so ingrained with the with the names, Gypsy of the Year, the Gypsy Robe, like you want something that kind of has that same pop. But I don't know that anything really can because those names are so ingrained into our theatrical culture. I'm not sure that anything would have popped unless you went something like super fun. Um, but they're, you know, they're not super memorable, but I don't know. They're fine. Whatever. Mm, yeah. All right. Uh, so let's move into this week's theatrical schedule. Okay, not as busy of a week uh, as we've had over the last few, but still quite a bit going on. We will start off on Tuesday, October 16th, with the official off-Broadway opening of Apologia at the Roundabout Theater Company off-Broadway. As we've said uh, multiple times as we've charted this show's progress from the UK over to New York, it stars Stockard Channing and TV and stage star Hugh Dancy. The show is currently slated to run through December 16th. Also on Tuesday, the first preview of the return engagement for the hit award-winning show Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play will take place thanks to MCC. This return engagement is currently scheduled to run through November 25th. This is one of the shows from last season that everybody said was a can't miss. So if you did miss it the first time, make sure that you get a chance to see it the second time around. Moving over to Wednesday, October 17th, we have a couple of off-Broadway openings. First up, The Mother of the Maid from the Public Theater officially opens. This is the play starring Glenn Close, Kate Jennings Grant, Grace Van Patten, and more about the the mother of Joan of Arcadia, played by Joan of Arcadia. That was a great show starring Amber Tamblyn. But uh, the play about the mother of Joan of Arc, I believe Mary Steenburgen actually played the mother of Joan of Arcadia, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, this play is currently on sale through December 23rd. Also opening on Wednesday off-Broadway is the off-Broadway revival of Adam Guan's play, our musical Order Days. It stars Whitney Basher, Mark De La Cruz, Sarah Lynn Marion, and Kyle Sherman. It is currently on sale through November 17th. And I will have a new Tell Me More episode featuring Whitney Basher from this cast either today or tomorrow. So keep an ear out for that. Moving over to Thursday, we have the first of two Broadway openings in the coming week. The first is the lifespan of a fact, a lifespan of a fact over at Studio 54. This true-ish story features an incredible trio of stars, Daniel Radcliffe, Cherry Jones, and Bobby Cannavale, and is currently slated to play through January 13th. James, I've heard that this show is actually quite a bit of fun, despite the fact that it is about something as tedious as you can possibly imagine – Fact-checking a magazine article. Yeah. Uh, the word on the street is is that it is very funny and uh, a charming show. Yeah, and with a cast like that, how could it not be? This is true. Um, 
Yeah. So going from that opening to the other Broadway opening on Sunday night, October 21st, the Ferryman will officially open at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater. James, I'm not sure if they are considering this new Jez Butterworth play a limited run or not, but currently tickets are on sale until February 17th. I have not seen it listed as a limited run. I've not seen it listed as an open-ended run. IBDB currently does not have a closing date, but Telecharge says tickets are only on sale through February 17th. So we'll have to see how they play that. I will say, and I believe I've said it before, I think Jez Butterworth is an incredible playwright. I saw Jerusalem on Broadway. I had absolutely no freaking clue what was going on in that play, but I loved every second of it. So if this is anywhere close to that, I'm sure that this will be fantastic. And the reviews for this one so far from people who have seen it during previews have been ungodly gushing. So I imagine that this will be one of those shows that is very, very well regarded heading into Tony's season in the spring. Also on Sunday, two more things. Uh, another show over at the Public Theater Off-Broadway will begin its preview process. This one is Eve's Song, a new play by Patricia Eon Lloyd, which stars Tony nominee Deadre Aziza. It is currently scheduled to run through December 9th. And then over on the left coast, the final performance of The Heart of Rock and Roll, the Huey Lewis and the News musical, will play its final performance on Sunday at the Old Globe in San Diego, starring Matt Doyle and Katie Rose Clark. Uh, I... We, I've talked about this. I love Huey Lewis. I love Matt Doyle. I hope that this has a new life uh, somewhere else. It just seems like such a fun show and something we need right now. I don't know if it's a Broadway bound kind of thing. They have they purposely shied away from using that term. I haven't used, heard that term used at all with this show, but it seems like so much fun. I really hope I get a chance to see it with a first rate company somewhere in the near future. So the ferryman. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, press invitation that they sent us. Uh, did you know it has more than 30 people in the cast? I did, yeah. 35 people, I believe it is, in the cast. And so just looking at that, I'd have to imagine that they'd have to run beyond February just to even imagine breaking even. I would uh, think. But I wonder if maybe they haven't locked in contracts beyond February, so they don't want to sell tickets for somebody who may or may not be with it after February to cause them, you know. Yeah, because this show um, did transfer from the UK in a large number. I'm looking just real quick, scrolling through about two thirds or three quarters of the company is making their Broadway debut, which makes me believe that they actually came with the show um, from when the Sonia Friedman Productions uh, did it in the UK. So I wonder if there is some sort of green card um, issues with that. And maybe kind of like what um, what Sweeney Todd did when it transferred to Barrow Street a year or so ago, brought most of the or a good portion of the original UK class cast. And then after that had run its course for six months or whatever, just replaced them um, with American folks rather than an entire normal year long yeah. contract. So perhaps that could be what's going on here. But it, it it is not listed as having a closing date on IBDB. But like I said, Telecharge is only selling tickets through February. Yeah, and the um, the press information that they sent out to me doesn't have only has preview and opening days. It, it usually, if it yeah. was a limited run, they would have a closing date in this information as well because they want us to talk about that closing date. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's interesting. Uh, yeah, February normally though for a uh, for an open ended run, they're selling tickets much further down the line than five months uh, in advance, but. 
generally we don't see a ton of open-ended plays. Usually they're open-ended musicals, which try to sell for a year. But uh, this is uh, breaking the mold a little bit in ways that Jess Butterworth plays often do anyway. (laughs) Okay, Matt, what else do we have to talk about today? All right. I got a pair of stories that I wanted to pass along before you start your week. First, according to Laura Haywood at the Vineyard Theater's Emerging Artists Luncheon on Friday, the Off-Broadway Company announced uh, – Vineyard Theater, Off-Broadway Company announced that they were currently in development on a new previously unheard musical by the late composer Michael Friedman who passed away due to complications related to HIV and AIDS last year. No word on what the show is about or if it has – you know, been he'd been working on it through a developmental process before that, or if it was being written specifically for the Vineyard. But I would imagine that there will be a ton of interest from the theatrical community about whatever this show turns out to be. And finally, now, James, this is an interesting one. For a few months now, I've been hearing about a Smash Mouth musical in development from writer and performer Allison Frasca. As someone who associates one of the worst nights of my college career with a Smash Mouth concert, I ignored it altogether, didn't care, and I just assumed that it was another ridiculous exercise in the era of unnecessary jukebox musicals. However, James, I have now done a complete 180 and changed my opinion completely following reports about a reading that happened last week. Now, I've read this from an article on Polygon.com, which is not normally where I get Hmm. a ton of Broadway news, but the article said, quote, All-Star, the best Broadway musical, a four-act play written by and starring Alison Frasca, had its first public reading at the Davenport Theater. Of course, it was at the Davenport in New York City. Now, here's where it gets fun, James. Every duet, solo, and chorus number in the musical, A Big Story of Small Town Dreams, is a new arrangement of Smash Mouth's song, All-Star. Every song in the show is all-star. With each reimagining, musical director Paul Vergano adds surprising new subtext and riffs on a different style of Broadway hit from the sounds of Oklahoma to Wicked, and I'm pretty sure I heard a Hamilton joke in there, too. It's essentially a jukebox musical, but the jukebox is broken. That's so awesome. James, if I had any money left after paying for hotels for two trips to New York this month, I would invest in this show just because I love the absolutely idiotic premise behind this show. And it went from being something that I thought was just so awful and unneeded and I wanted it to go away to being something that I'm super interested in and I think might secretly be brilliant. So we'll have to see what happens next with All-Star, the best Broadway musical. If you'd like any more information on any or all of the stories in today's show, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. I have to uh, take a minute here to clean up something that I talked about last week when we were talking about the theater construction. I talked about the New Amsterdam moving down the block. It actually wasn't the New Amsterdam. It was the Empire Theater, which was next to the New Amsterdam. But it was happening at the same time, and I got it confused in my head. So the Empire Theater got moved uh, 170 feet. Let me see. 7.4 million pounds 170 feet down 42nd Street towards 8th Avenue. Uh, And there's an interesting article from February 1998 in the Times that we'll throw into the show notes. And thank you to Rob Johnston for reminding me that uh, it did happen, but I had the wrong theater. What is is the the Empire Theater now? Because it's not a theater. It's a movie uh, theater now. It's the AMC uh, okay. AMC movie theater oh, on, really? okay. on the uh, south side of 42nd Street towards 8th Avenue. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, and I, I, forgot, I meant to check and find out, did it change their actual postal address when it moved down the block? So <laughs> uh, IB, IBDB has two listings for the Empire Theater. One is 236 West uh, 42nd Street. The next one is 1430 Broadway between 40th and 41st. Oh, interesting. Don't know if those are the same. No. Um, no? No, I don't. I don't think so because Broadway between 40th and 41st faces a different direction than the 42nd Street. Okay. And that's a block away actually uh, between 40 and 41. This one's on 42. It was the Eltinge 42nd Street Theater. Originally opened in 1912 as the Eltinge 42nd Street Theater. Gotcha. Uh, then called the Empire Theater. Uh, oddly, both of these Empire Theaters on IBDB apparently were in operation at the same time. So if we thought things well, got confusing <laughs> on Broadway now, imagine having tickets and going to the wrong Empire Theater. <laughs> it's like uh, saying you're going, your train is arriving at Penn Station. Which Penn Station? I, I, didn't, I didn't know there was more than one. Oh, there's lots of them. Lots and lots of them. Or, or the uh, there's lots of... Uh, what do the, the Orpheus, uh, Orpheum. Orpheum, Orpheum lots theaters, of Orpheum. Oh, lots of Orpheum or, theaters, and or saying that you have a dinner date at Bond Forty Five and ah. not realizing Bond Forty Five was on Forty Seventh Street. It used to be on Forty Fifth Street. I I know I I understand why you got confused. <laughs> That's it. Get us out of here. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Monday with us and kicking off the week. And Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.